go. And we're back on the Sports Bag Bro podcast is on for the second day this week. This is Tuesday. Monday Night Football just happened yesterday. But what's up to everybody? What's happening? Happy Tuesday. Let's get it. Let's get it. And we saw yesterday the NFL ended its week with two Monday Night games. And it was supposed to have been two games in which you had definitive winners. Neither one of those teams the wrong, won. The wrong ones. They both lost. Just after the I was Jordan Love yesterday, and I've been telling him now for a couple of weeks because he's shown that difference from the beginning of the season until now, and he's been looking good. He loses to the Giants, who have Tommy DeVito, who's standing in for Daniel Jones, who got the big money in the offseason. The wrong guy got the big money, man. Tommy <laughs> DeVito, an undrafted player, quarterback from Illinois, showing up and continuing to win with the Giants. It looks that way, right? But let's pump the brakes. Oh, yeah, I'm going to pump the brakes. Game, man, one game. DeVito. Come on um, now. Here, it's kind of funny. The Bulls have been playing better since they beat the Bucks last week in overtime. They had a rematch with the Bucks in Milwaukee, and they were within, like, five points. I said, well, let me watch. You know, they who knows if they pull it out. They got to overtime again. Uh, Rosen hit a, hit a floater with, like, two points some seconds. But – they couldn't get much done in overtime. But anyway, point is, I was watching the Bulls game, wasn't concerned about Monday Night Football. Yeah. But, you know, I'm checking Twitter, and I'm seeing all these funny funny pictures. Uh, Tommy DeVito's agent. Tommy DeVito's agent and his dad. And I'm like, what the hell are you? Like, here's the new mafia. I'm like, what the? What? So when that game was out of hand, I don't know. I don't even know what the final score was, but they were down like seven with uh, 11 seconds left. Yeah, so, no. so let me see what's going on with the Giants. Yeah, it, and of course, 22 final score. Of course, I tune in and the Packers take the lead. I'm like, oh man, I should have <laughs> just put something else on. But Tommy DeVito threw that dime down the sideline to Saquon, and I was oh. like, yeah, field goal range, let's go. Um, you just got to tip your hat to the kid, you know. Oh, I said, pump the brakes, but come on, man. I've seen this story before with quarterbacks who just came off the shelf or came from just anywhere, started playing and really didn't do anything. This isn't right now, at least a Kurt Warner situation to where he just shows up and just goes almost over hey, the house. Tyson Bajan have three or four opportunities and he didn't do that. So no, and, and y'all it just and the Giants are a pedestrian team. This is a team that really does rely on their running back. <clears throat> Even with Daniel Jones there, they're still relying on Saquon Barkley. They're still a running team. It's just that we're in an age where you have to pay the quarterback as much money as possible, and Daniel Jones just happened to be the benefactor of getting that kind of money. Saquon Barkley, proving that running backs still have a place in the NFL, but with a little bit more diversity, catching the dime from Tommy DeVito. But He made up for his fumble, too. He he did what? He made up for his fumble. made up for his fumble. You know, Saquon Barkley, I don't know, going into the NFL – at, at the time he came out, I wasn't thinking about running backs not being valuable like they are now, and it's been such a short period of time. I was looking more at the old school Penn State running backs never really doing well in the NFL as of late. Larry Johnson did well. Remember the uh, Franco Harris came from there. The other Kurt Warner from Seattle played from, from there. But these, these Penn, State, Penn State running backs just has, haven't panned out over the years. And he had or was trying. And then the injury bug, not talent. Is what's really gotten them. Yeah, like I said, I tuned in at the end, and I tuned in just in time to see him fumble. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, how you dropped the ball just falling down, man? Why couldn't you at least dropped it out of bounds?" 
And, of course, Jordan Loves leads him down. And uh, that was a hell of a throw and catch for that touchdown, by the way. And Jordan Love, by the way, still looking like a good quarterback. That loss doesn't take much from him at all. One touchdown, one interception, but he's still making a lot better decisions. You don't typically – well, I can't say you don't typically because you expect your quarterback, to, no matter who he is, to get better week after week. But he's showing so much improvement week after week. I wonder it's because he had years to sit down as opposed to someone like C.J. Stroud getting in there, picking up from where he left off at Ohio State acting like he'd never been in college before, straight to the NFL, and just got progressively better as the year went on. And he's going to be subject to his issues like he did have with the Jets. But that's what I was thinking. I mean, I wonder now, it really helped him to sit down because this isn't really his rookie year, but it's his first year being the starter with all the pressure on him. And now he's going through the growing pains or has been through the growing pains. He's looking more like a finished product now than he did much earlier in the season. Yeah, he's he's looking better. No, yeah, and I'm, I'm 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 surprised because yeah. I didn't think like he he started out not really like a house of fire, but the Packers were winning, and then yep. they turned to trash, and he was playing like trash. Yep, and it seems like he's turned around, and it's coincided with their turnaround. Uh, they might have playoff aspirations, but last night didn't help that cause. Oh no, nah. um, they they had to win that one, but I think. Um, I don't know what the Lions' record is, but they might come back to the Packers. They're nine and four. They're nine, nine and four. No pun I don't mean the Packers. I mean the Pack in the Central uh, uh, NFC North. Yeah, I can see that happening now because Detroit seems to be doing Detroit things this time of year, even though they have an extra game to do it. But that's also an extra game for Green Bay to try to get back on track, and they are in the NFC North, and the teams there are kind of like unsteady right now. There's like. And if Detroit continues to lose or the bottom has fallen out, it opens the door for almost everybody. And as you said yesterday, they had Chicago down as somebody who's still in the running. And all they have to do is no. – it might not be realistic, but based on where they're playing in the NFC North, <laughs> <laughs> if that's the slightest possibility, it's still intriguing as hell. And by the way, sticking with the NFC North, the garbage man isn't just in New Jersey. He's in Minnesota too. Josh Dobbs is getting sat down, man, in yeah. favor of Nick Mullen, who's going to be playing. Now, this he started up, out he started out well, but he, he crashed and burned. You know what? I hate to say it because I really like Josh Dobbs. I liked him at Tennessee. I never really thought he'll be a special quarterback in the NFL. I just wish he got his opportunities. And intermittently, well, he's done some things. He did some things in Arizona uh, before um, Murray got back. They traded him because of that. He went to Minnesota, started out well, had a strong showing, but then he is who we thought he was, as <laughs> Danny Green would say, while in Minnesota. Well, he said that in Arizona, but he is who we thought he was. And in the past three games, two touchdowns, five interceptions, one and two, and this putrid game, even in a winning cause against the Raiders this past Sunday, three-nothing. Bro, he had nothing to do with the win. He threw for like 68 yards. Yeah, they they gotta go another direction. It's obviously not working out with, with Dobbs, but I just wanted to say, um, I heard on the way into work this morning, they're talking on the radio. The Bears have an outside chance. Technically, they're in the hunt, even though I say they're not in the hunt. But if they win out with the six-game winning streak, they'll be nine and eight, and wow. they might be able to sneak in the back door. Obviously, depending on what happens with other teams. 
Yep. But there's no way I see that happening. Like I, I wouldn't, I would not even entertain that. There's no way they win. First, they got to go to Cleveland and, and face that defense. I, I don't know. Um, we'll see if Flacco can have a repeat performance. But that defense is tough. Oh, it's been um, tough all year. I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I've been saying, and other people have been saying, uh, Fields is showing improvement. Well. Time to show and prove this week, buddy. Got to get it done. If you if you can't perform against the better teams, then what are we doing? But you know what? If it's only about getting to the playoffs, they are in the NFC North, and the NFC North <clears throat> competitive based on mediocre teams, if anything at all, if Detroit continues to lose because it seems like they're having their late season swoon. And if that does happen, we're talking about just winning your division. Forget about all the other teams you have to play who aren't in your division. You win that division. We've already seen teams who were sub 500 go into the playoffs because of winning their division, you know, and getting a home field advantage in some cases. So uh, that's a, a possibility as remote as it may be. It's still a possibility. And I think that really if Detroit continues doing what they're doing, the other two teams may just be because uh, I think Minnesota's having their issues at quarterback to where they can't really recover now. Josh Dobbs has been well, who we thought he was. So the two teams left may be Chicago and, and Green Bay. Well, that's the other thing. Chicago goes to Green Bay the last game of the yeah. season. Um, if by miracle they win the next three games, they'll probably blow it in Green Bay. Man. Well, you know, hey. That, that, that's just like, that. I mean, that's what the Bears do. Well, is it what the Bears do as of late or all mm -hmm. the time? I mean, yeah, it's not Lovey Smith's Bears. Oh, no, no, it isn't. But you know what? It, hey, they're showing some life, though. You know, even though Justin Fields has been a little bit on and off, on and off, he seems <clears> to be more a little bit on now than off. And they still have Bajan, you know, give him some more opportunities because you never know what they're going to do draft time in the offseason with trades or whatever they may just decide to do when it comes to their future. I mean, you know, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm kind of sort of optimistic in light of everything that's happened in the past. And going by what's going on right now in the NFC North, there's call for optimism. Well, they they have an option on him. So they potentially can have fields for the next two years. Mm -hmm. um, but they should still draft a quarterback. Well, so there's, so you're there's a lot about, of talk. Excuse me? No, so you're talking about another quarterback, including Bajan and Justin Fields, but you're looking at possibly Jaden Daniels. I'm not even worried about Bajan. I don't think he's – he doesn't have the arm strength. Okay. Um, But the 49ers, they, they picked up Steve Young when they had Montana. Yeah. Oh, it was a different NFL because those quarterbacks – I'm just, I'm just saying. So you got to give yourself some insurance. Like, you want to believe in Fields, but – do you really 100% believe in Fields? But then it's still okay, so let's let's pick up his options. We got him for two years. Let's draft Jaden Daniels, not Caleb Williams. Uh, yeah. Jaden, who has a committed, by the way, Jaden Daniels, uh, ready ready to take over when Fields falters or falls flat on his face, whatever, or or Fields turns into all pro. You know, right. but with his running style. You know, he he's might gonna, so he's gonna have some of those he's gonna have some of those Lamar Jackson issues because even as good as Lamar Jackson is right now, he still suffered some injuries. Yeah, even in Sunday's game, 
in Sunday's game, he got he, he took a hit, got up holding his shoulder. You know, then it wasn't an injury. He was hurt though. Yeah, that's the nature of the beast. Those, those those hits take effect after a while. Yeah, that run pass option and all those things that they didn't know how to defend before, they're going after the quarterback now, and the rules allow for the quarterback to take the hit if he's being looked at as a runner. And that's what when Colin Kaepernick was looked at as the face of the NFL or they were trying to make him into that, and he was at his best, that's pretty much what put his career on ice, getting hit all of a sudden. You know, he was looking good in the beginning when no one knew how to defend it, but when defensive coordinators got together and the NFL got the rules together – and allow hey, defenses to start hitting these quarterbacks if they decide to look like runners. <clears throat> and well, it shortened his career, pretty much ended his career. And it's been like that for other running quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson being another one of those running quarterbacks or quarterbacks you know who have the ability to run. Most recently, you have Trevor Lawrence, who runs also that no one really looks at unless you watch him. He's now injured, you know, because of the ankle injury and the running that he does. So yeah, man. <laughs> You know, I think, you know, that's just what you're going to have to live with that. You just hope in between time, this player or someone like uh, Justin Fields is dynamic until he does get hurt. And it does give the team an opportunity to kind of, you know, if they're going to be ahead by a certain amount, probably three games or so. If he's going to get hurt, he'll be out for two weeks, not three or four or five weeks. And they can kind of get back on track when he gets back. Yep. I think Jeff, I think it was Jeff Saturday. He made a, a really good point. He says, if you draft a quarterback, you can't bring back the same staff. But but then that would be Justin Fields, another coach, head coach he's trying That's to what I'm play under. Like Bill Parcells says, it's, man, if you want me to cook uh, the meal. It's a bad situation to be in, if you ask me. And Ryan Poles, he got hired, and they already had the coach. Ibrafus is not his guy. No. So it, it, I, I don't you, know. And all these coaches, they'd rather have their guys, whether it's college or the pros, they'd rather yeah. have their guys in there. They tolerate what's there, but they're not they're quick to pull the hook if that player isn't playing the way he so, uh, the, the coach wants him to play. You know, under the other coach, the other coach trying to fit that square peg into a round hole because he doesn't want to look bad, letting people know that his system probably doesn't work for that quarterback. Or if he had a hand in that quarterback coming there to begin with, he didn't want to give up on the player so quick. The new staff comes in, no allegiance, nothing. They get rid of the guy as soon as he has his first issues. They want right. their guy in there or someone that's going to be a placeholder until their guy comes in. <clears throat> now, going back a little bit to that Minnesota game, Josh Dobbs is out. Uh, Nick Mullen is in. He was one of those quarterbacks once upon a time. He wasn't drafted. He came out of Southern Miss. If you remember his first game, he played against the Oakland Raiders. He came in and he threw three touchdowns, 262 yards. And there was, I mean, there was like, this is the best. Debut of a quarterback ever. He had the highest uh, quarterback rating in the history of the NFL world well, since 1970 when he had done it. And they thought he would be there making the comparisons to Brett Favre because Favre came from Southern Miss. Now look at him. He's become a journeyman. And now he's backing up Josh freaking Dobbs. Come on now. Yeah, the, the, I, the Vikings are done. Oh, yeah, they're done. I That's mean, what I'm thinking. They, they, they played in – Two of the worst games in within the last 50 years, within like a four or five week span, when they played the Bears and when they played the Raiders. That that Raiders game, three to nothing, man. I mean, who's pitching? <laughs> the quarterbacks weren't doing a damn thing. Three nothing. That's what we got. And they still won, but Josh Dobbs had nothing to do with the win. The yards he put up were just ridiculous, and that's why he's being replaced. And not only that, you had two games on Monday night. 
The other one being the Miami Dolphins taking on Tennessee. Tennessee pretty much, I mean, not playing very well this year, but Will Levis has come in, surprised a lot of people, been doing really well since he's been playing. And um, the, the Miami Dolphins were a double-digit favorite, and they lose the game 28-27 to 27 at home. Another case of the Dolphins losing to – well, you know what? This team is below 500. The Dolphins are supposed to win. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Dolphins. They start, started out hot, you know, came out the gates hot. Can't be the teams with, with uh, winning records, and now they're they're uh, not looking so hot against average teams. Yeah. And Tyreek Hill, <clears throat> he's out. Well, he left the game yesterday. Well, yeah, that probably has something to do with it, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? You have other players out there, and you got Waddle out there. He should be able to pick up the slack, man. I mean, you're going against a team that was overmatched at one point. Derrick Henry's averaging about a yard or two a carry. I mean, that's pretty much his MO for the season, but he breaks a few every now and then, so it put it up to 4.2 going into yesterday's game. But, but still, not exactly extremely effective <clears throat> running the ball for yardage, but he got the touchdowns when needed. Yeah, I think it speaks to the Dolphins being front runners. Yeah. Um, they lose Tariq Hill like, oh, man, we lost Cheetah, and it's all downhill from there. They're front runners, you know. They, I don't, I don't believe they have a lot of mental toughness. Well, apparently not, because uh, this wasn't even one of their mo's. To where when they played a team that was below five hundred is when they got their wins. You get a team now that well, that's below five hundred, and they have a rookie quarterback, and you lose at home as a double digit favorite. That surprised me. I mean, both <laughs> games, the teams that were favorite lost, and this was just and Will Levis. Another player coming out of the draft, I was like, you know, I'm a little skeptical. A Penn State quarterback who ended up going to Kentucky. I hate quarterbacks who are running, but he probably isn't running. This is the age we live in now with the transfer portal where players just leave just like coaches leave, and they have their liberty to do it. He ended up in Kentucky, looked pretty solid. He was, a, I don't know, some people had him going late in the first round. He goes in the second round. But look at him. He's living up to some of these expectations. He's putting up the numbers, and he's getting some sneaky wins in the process. And didn't they get Malik Willis a couple years ago or two seasons ago from Liberty? I mean, it's like he doesn't even exist anymore. Will Levis is their quarterback. You mentioned the, the you mentioned the transfer portal. That's another thing that had my attention. Kyle McCord and Julian Fleming visiting Nebraska. It looks like they're to be. Uh, I believe McCord was in town either yesterday or coming to town today but you know how recruiters have crystal balls mm -hmm. they, they put crystal balls for McCord and Fleming both going to Nebraska and um Rayola Dylan Rayola they're, they're trying to flip him from Georgia and he's Ooh. coming in for a visit uh this weekend I think I don't know. And, you know, his dad played for Nebraska. Yeah, so. I remember his dad playing for Nebraska. Yeah, he'll, he'll be the legacy. Lions after? Yeah. Yeah, I remember his dad. Playing. He was a dog, man. But Dylan yeah, Dominic, Dominic could, could play, man. He was yeah, yeah, player. bro. <laughs> no no, no questions here. Uh, Dylan Rayola, he's played everywhere. This guy's played, I think. Yeah, that's Arizona. the one thing. He's played for, for four different high schools. For real, man. I mean, it's come on, man. You're trying to advance your agenda as a high school football quarterback. I can see that. There's no question about it. But, man, I mean, some people look at it as being tacky. Years ago, it would have been looked at as being tacky, doing the wrong thing. The integrity of high school football, now this is what we have. They're moving around in high school almost the same way 
they're moving around in, in the in college as far as the transfer portal goes. But it, he was the number one quarterback, still is the number one quarterback. And if he goes to Nebraska, still a true freshman, I don't think he wins right away. But if McCord goes there, if you know, if he goes there or whoever else they got who goes there with experience, he's gonna ride the bench. Does he leave after a season like a lot of these other quarterbacks do who were highly touted and didn't get the shot they wanted and just left? That's a good question. It depends on how they develop him, right? And you know, they can play what four games now and still keep their four games uh, and keep their pressure. Yeah. Put them in there, you know, let them get some time. Um and just you know, let him know the situation. Hey, McCord's our guy. Well, I'm already counting my chickens. Yeah, right. God. <laughs> but I mean, all indications are he's going there. Um, you know, tell him McCord's our guy. We'll we'll work with you, and we'll get you on the field for four games, and you'll you'll be able to compete next year. But well, he'll have the inside the the pole position, if you will. I'm thinking McCoy would be a perfect fit for Nebraska, the new age of Nebraska. This isn't an option team anymore. And I think Matt Rule knows how to use a quarterback like that because he just started seeing how, what his potential was. Now, what was going on in practice, what Ryan Day might have seen, is a different story, obviously, because apparently Devin Brown might have been doing something comparable, but not so much so that he was able to beat him out of the job in the beginning of the season when he did both have their opportunities. He decided to settle on Kyle McCord. And they got as far as they could go with him, just missing out on the Michigan game. He didn't have a terrible game, but it could have been better. But with the experience that he has or lack thereof, you had Marvin Harrison Jr. and everything else around him. You just played against a team that either knew your players or is that good after all. <laughs> We're talking about these Michigan Wolverines. <clears throat> so, but I think going to somewhere like it's a hell of an upgrade going to Nebraska if he goes there in terms of their quarterback situation after this Jeff nonsense went down the way it went. I think anything they bring in from the outside with someone who at least has done something is an improvement from this past season when they had that quarterback debacle going on. No kidding. Um, I believe his stats were like 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions in that ballpark, and Nebraska's quarterbacks threw a combined 10 touchdowns. 10 touchdowns. They might as well be running the option again. They were, they were they doing did. better than they, they run and shoot in the, the, the wishbone days. Or once Tommy, when Tommy Frazier was there, once Jeff Sims was replaced, they went to all basically a running team. Um, Harburg, he was the first replacement, he was running the ball, he scored a bunch of running touchdowns. <clears throat> then he went down, and they brought in uh, not Josh Brock Purdy's younger brother, yeah, and he's a he's also a good runner, he has some. Pretty good speed. Okay. Uh, he broke some long runs for touchdowns, but he's not the passer that his brother is. At least not at this point. Well, not even close. Yeah, they'll have to develop. I mean, how good is any true freshman or even sophomore, for that matter? True sophomore, if he was a true sophomore, coming in and playing, especially in a new offense. I mean, I yeah. Know, and I another thing was early in the season, they didn't give uh, their their freshman wide receivers a lot of time. As the season progressed, they started giving them more playing time, and they stepped up, Lloyd and Malachi Coleman. So, you know, they have a year under their belt. They'll be that much better next year. And I think Nebraska will even have better weapons for whoever the quarterback is. Yeah, didn't they get a stud tight end also in this draft class or recruiting class? 
Yeah, he was the top tight end. The fourth, yeah, the fourth uh, star tight end that came through. So, yeah, and they've been known for having tight ends in their past. So this is a little bit stretch going back to the past, a blast from the past and getting that player at the tight end spot. We've seen the types of Johnny Mitchell was, I think, one of their best tight ends ever at one point in terms of overall physical ability. Did you hear that there's a new class being offered at Colorado? A new class? No, I don't know. It's called Coach Prime. Something about uh oh I forget the first word something in leadership, Coach Brian turnovers. <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice. Sounds right. Nah, nah, but it's a, a leadership course, and it's called Coach Prime. Okay, so if he decides to leave, do they change <clears throat> the course or do they drop the whole thing? <laughs> you know what? You get an F. Go. That's it, man. That's for him. But you know, Does Texas A and M have a coach yet? Who Texas A and M? Yeah. You know what? I think they do. Ah, man. You know what? So many things have been going the hell on, man. You can't even because we we were saying that'd be a good spot for him. Well, you know, with all the, I mean, in fact, they do. They do have a, a new guy, but the money they can pay, they can pay anything between Texas A and M and Texas, Oklahoma. Those oil guys, they can get who the hell they want. They can right. brag about paying a seventy-seven million dollar buyout to someone like Jimbo Fisher, and moving on to the next guy. You know, your hands are completely tied in organizations like that. Are schools like that because the boost is pretty much running anything. You know, these are the guys that could probably write a play in a napkin and say, this is what I want ran after halftime. A boost is telling the coach that. Who wants to put up with that kind of nonsense? Not that it happens, but I'm sure he hears something in his ear he probably doesn't want to hear, the coach, whoever's there. But, yeah, going back a little bit, though, to um, Dylan Rayola, if he goes to Nebraska, absolutely a hell of a catch. It increases their recruiting class. But – you look at why would he go to Nebraska and not just stay with Georgia, who has what they have, Kirby Smart and a whole bunch of blue chippers? Well, because Carson Beck is still there for another year. And maybe someone like Dylan, who's been touted for a while now, even more than Arch Manning, you know, doesn't want to sit behind him at all. He wants to have a real shot to compete, even against a rising senior in his freshman year. True freshman year. Yeah, who knows? I don't know what the kid's thinking or who's in his ear. All speculation. Yeah, but right. either either way though, I mean Carson Beck, I, I mean he started showing me some things as the season went on, but never that umph thing that you never really expected anything from Stetson Bennett. But then he just started showing you things and force feeding you what he can do and making those big plays. He had hell of five plays around him in defense in particular, but he's an offensive guy and he made those huge plays when opportunities were there. Carson Beck never really made huge plays this year. And he didn't have a lot of great teams to play against in order to make huge plays against. He didn't even make huge plays against the mediocre teams. <laughs> I mean, right. nothing, nothing huge that stood out. He just did what he was supposed to have done. Right. And was it yesterday? I don't know. I don't think it was yesterday. Maybe last week I asked, like, I understand why they're number one. They were two-time defending champions. But when you look at their, their record, who they played, who did they beat? to say that we're number one, even with the loss, we're still at least number four. I don't buy that. Well, you know how it goes, though, with the SEC. They always typically have the best conference in football. I don't think this year in particular. I think the Big Ten in terms of the top teams in the Big Ten were better than the top teams in the SEC, at least this year. I know SEC people don't want to hear that, but I believe that to be the case. And we'll get a first-hand look at it when Alabama does take on uh, Michigan and see if that's true. Michigan's a one-point favorite. That's it. But we'll get a chance to see that. But, you know, 
um, the reason they were number one based on what they did the previous season. We've seen it with other teams, so it wasn't like they were given any special treatment. We've seen other teams who either won the previous year, had a lot of returning starters, or had decent returning starters that were star, star quality players, still number one the following season until they lose. And I think that's what happened with Georgia. And by the way, Georgia did lose their spot at number one for at least a week or two, and then Ohio State went back down. But Michigan, I thought, was the best team overall all the time. The team that had never been number one until at the end of the season when now they're number one. Yeah, but since we're on Georgia and playoffs and whatnot, people were saying there were four or five people from the ACC on the playoff committee as if to say if Florida State really had a chance, those guys would have voted them in. But I say other conferences were coming to Florida State and Florida State was really considering those offers or they're in talks to leave the ACC. So there is probably payback. You want to leave us? It could have been. leave us? How about we leave you out? Oh, you know what? I don't want to hear that garbage. Florida State belong to be in there. And I I think it's the opposite. Those five guys screwed them. You know what? That's a good theory to go by. I mean, it it seems it could have some Ring of realism there. I can see that possibly happening because they were talking about going to the Big Ten not too late, not too long ago. Hell, just a I mean, month ago. Let's just say it's me, you, and, and Bosco. And Bosco's like, "Man, I ain't doing your podcast no more." Blah blah blah. And then we have a chance to bring him in. No, you don't want to do our podcast. Get out of here. Yeah, go away. <laughs> yeah, right. You go put your friends that you found. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's my man, though. Bosco, you're welcome anytime. Oh, yeah, anytime. I'm just making the point. But Florida State being left out, I still say, was a travesty because now it takes away a lot from what they did in terms of being an undefeated team in a Power 5 conference, a point that was made a couple of years ago, just in recent memory, with UCF. Well, they did beat the man who beat the man, but they weren't from a Power Conference team. They went undefeated, so it shouldn't really matter. They did beat Auburn, who beat Alabama, and Alabama won the national championship. So, But UCF just isn't in the Power 5 conference. Now you get a team that's pretty much a legacy team, at least over the past 40 years, in Florida State, Power 5 conference, goes undefeated, and they're not worthy. But you put two one-loss teams in there. Unbelievable. Let's move on. We, we yeah, I probably should have brought it up. Right? It, man, but, but I haven't heard nobody else say that, so I had to I had to get that out there. Shoot, man. You know, this is after the football season is going into full mode now. I mean, it's already been in full mode, but I'm saying even more full mode going into the, the weekend because we're getting those Saturday games. I believe there's three Saturday games this weekend, and then you get to the Sunday games. So it's that time of year. You're getting these multiple games on the weekend, the Saturday and Sunday game. It starts off on Thursday as usual, but yeah, the NFL, we'll get a chance to talk about that before we go into the weekend anyway, man. But man, right now, the NFL is hot, but the hot stove in baseball, we didn't get a chance to talk about our tiny yeah, contract. Totally, we totally forgot about it yesterday. $700 million for Ooh. two years. Crazy. But you know what? Did we talk about that before? What we kind of money did. Get? But then he got hurt. He's not going to pitch very long. No, he's not going to pitch on next season. But that's what I'm saying. He's not going to be a two-way player. But, but they knew that. They well, he's not going to be a two-way player next so season. I don't think I don't. I don't think he's worth 700 million. But if oh, they want him that bad, 
both ways. He's 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 not gonna play both ways. No, not, not, he's not gonna play both ways next year because he's having the surgery, so he won't be able to throw. But he's gonna be able to hit. And after a complete year of just hitting, and he probably doesn't hit as much, you know, because it probably might aggravate the elbow. I don't freaking know. But sometime during that ten-year contract, he's getting back to his dual role of pitching and hitting the ball, being a hitter. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Let's say he doesn't pitch at all next year, and then the following spring training, he's he's a pitcher from spring training. It's mm-hmm. not going to last. He he already had the surgery. He's breaking down. But that's what the before. This isn't just for Otani being a hitter. This is for Otani doing all he brings. That's what I'm saying. He's not going to. You think he's going to be a pitcher for the next 10 years? No, I don't think he no is. Way. No novelty, way. No way. It might novelty. be two or three years. They they might maybe use him in closing situations. But if he doesn't pitch for two months, are you going to trust him to close out a game? I don't know. I don't I know. I'm sorry. Sorry, big guy, man. I know you can pump 100, but you ain't been in the mound since May. But I can look at him three years from now, getting back to being his usual self, probably not doing it completely throughout the entire 10-year contract, but getting enough out of it to get the oohs and ahs and possibly with the Dodgers being how they've been over the past couple of years, a possible World Series. You know, just one World Series would be good. I mean, for that kind of contract, about two or three World Series might have to happen. Yeah, well, and he's deferring money. He's deferring. You know what? That's the point I was going to bring up. But with the, the tax... The way taxes are in California. Oh, freaking! He's, been, he's gonna get like three hundred and eighty million or four hundred million, maybe. But you know what though? That's seven hundred million. He's deferring sixty-eight million dollars every year so that they can build a team around him. And as part mm-hmm. of a collective bargaining agreement, there isn't anything to prevent that. Now I'm sure. Right. See, the thing about it is, I don't think the Major League Baseball had anything to worry about because. We have American players, and yeah, we do have other players for the Dominican Republic and Panama and all these places, you know, Cuba. But they're not going to defer any money. This is a different culture we're talking about here. Uh, Tani, you know, in Japan, there's a different culture to where money isn't everything. And he's proven it right here. He's only taking $2 million a year. He's letting $68 million just sit out there, and they can use whichever way they can to make the team better. No player's ever done that before. And And he's the one who brought the suggestion. He's the one who brought it up and said, this is what I want to do. This wasn't his agent. And he's making $50 million a year. Oh, you know his agent, dude? No, hell no. Oh, his agent's he's like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> agent's like, bro, what's going on? But he's making about $50-plus million off the field with endorsements and whatnot. And I'm sure he gets that big pot when he goes to Japan. They're still picking out money out of there. So, so my, my, co-worker, my co-worker's saying they, they don't really need to – to uh, defer too much money because they're going to make it all back in jersey sales. That's what I'm talking about. The $700 million will be justified. I still think two or maybe even three World Series appearances at least, maybe a win or two out of those three if they can get there would be suffice and justify completely the $700 million if it ends up at the end of the day him pocketing the $700 million well, the taxes and all that crap has something to do with it. But, I mean, just the, just the number of that the contract, that $700 million that the contract is worth. I'm just thinking just, that it's a culture thing. Don't expect everyone to jump on a bandwagon doing this. I know there are other organizations wishing that players would do this because it helps the team overall. All $68 million just out in the ether helping, you know, to bring in whoever the hell you want. <laughs> Come on. Who the hell does that? No one. And no one else will. 
Yeah, I was just thinking he's already in California playing for the Angels, so yeah, so he's, he's already, already used to the tax. So he's probably like, yeah, screw it, I'm I'm getting taxed already. I just I don't know, man. That's that's a lot of money to to lose out on. Yeah, but even worse than worse than California, we're talking Canada, Toronto. If you're playing up there, the taxes up there, those are oppressive. <laughs> you might need to protest over those taxes <clears throat> up there in Canada. Ridiculous. But yeah, yeah man, you know the Toronto. Maybe he's just, I don't know who his agent is, but maybe his agent talked him out of that one because <laughs> word was he was signing with the Blue Jays. But yeah, I thought about you know I heard about that him possibly going to the Blue Jays, and it seems like some type of a ruse. But he's in California. And if you gotta pick the lesser of two evils when it comes down to your tax dollar, it would be California compared to Toronto. Come on now. But anyways, Scott Boris, I'm surprised he doesn't have him. As you know, that's not his agent. Not that I know if it is, and I, I mean, I, I didn't keep up with it. But Scott Boris is typically the guy with the big dogs in baseball. But um, yeah. Otani right now, the guy he sets the market, and all these players are celebrating. They're happy about it because now it just ups the ante. But they're not doing that unique thing. Yeah, how many how many players are as good as Otani? Exactly, yeah. bringing that a to handful, the a handful. Man, yeah. I mean Acuna, Trout oh. already got his money. Um, Juan Soto now already started to chirp a little bit in New York. I mean, not really. In fact, he's actually doing the opposite. He's not chirping because they said his mom are talking about the extension. He's like, well, they know my number. Oh, don't start this crap in New York. <laughs> Come on, man. But, you know, it's going to happen, and the Yankees are just ridiculous. Yankees have it. Don't give it to They'll him. They'll pay him. Exactly. They'll continue to pay him, if, especially if he's they, in They would not have traded for him if they didn't intend Exactly. That's what I'm mistaken because when you get a – when you get a trade, you get some say so on whether or not you're going to extend and get the extension. I'm sure, or am I really sure with with Brian Cashman that he's just want the big name to make a splash because he's under so much pressure after not doing anything and missing the playoffs this year, this past season. And he was like, you know, let's just get this big name splash. New York fans know who he is. We know we can get the extension, but I'll ask him when he gets here. Now, if he refuses and he's not here and he has a great season, it's going to put the Yankees in a spot to have to give them that ridiculous money. And yep. somewhat a time money. more than be. one outfielder, though. Yeah. Oh, that's true. But that, that big money that he's he's going to want. Now, because Otani does everything, $700 million may be sufficing in the new market he just created. So what does Soto get? Five, $550 million? <laughs> Come on now. We're talking serious freaking bank now for these plays. Baseball's God. Unbelievable. But anyways, any NBA noise? I mean, I, I saw an article, but I didn't read it because I saw John Morant talking about how he punched some kid at a basketball game last year. And I under—I saw the story back then. It was a teenage kid that he I hit. I thought it was a new story. I was like, really? Come no, on. no, no, no. It's an old story from last year. But I guess he's describing it because when I saw it, it says he talks about the, the um, fight that he had at a basketball game with a teenager last year. So I'm just going to assume, okay, it's the same story. I know it's the same story, but I'm thinking he just kind of letting them know, and it may be one of those, I did that stupid thing there, and I'm better now, and I'm not going to do stupid things like that again. I'm laughing because when I lived in Indy, uh, I had friends. We would go play basketball Sunday nights, and one of my friends, I've known him since I was a kid, and he went to high school with this other guy, and we became really good friends. But anyway... The one friend, he's obnoxious, man. Like, if you didn't grow up with him and you meet him, like, you probably wouldn't want to be his friend. <laughs> he's obnoxious. 
Like he's been at my house and people's like, man, what's up with that dude? I like, man, relax. That's my guy. I've known him since we were kids. He just, he talks crazy. Just let it go. Just let it go. <clears throat> so he starts getting into it with this one kid. The kid had to be like 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. And the kid, we were in our late twenties. I don't know if I already said that, like 28, 29. Right. And, and the kid, he's checking up the ball. He throws the ball back at him with, with attitudes like, man, how old are you, 20? You want to fight me? Man, we were laughing. Like, my friend's not even 20. He's 29. <laughs> <laughs> Arguing with a 16-year-old. Dude, what, what are you doing, man? You about to fight this kid? Come on, man. Let it go. Man, getting too hyped up in these <clears throat> basketball <throat> games. Pick up and, games and and you're talking about an NBA player fighting a teenager. Come on, man. Yeah. And the kid, though, I think this is one of those incidents in which the kid was supposedly going back <laughs> to get a gun. And I think that's when Jock claimed that's why he had a gun. So I don't know the story completely, so I better not just keep, continue to go on. But it could be something like that. But I think the kid allegedly was going to get him, supposedly get some get back. And you know how get back with kids these days. So it could seem more realistic than not if they tell you some nonsense like that. And to have a name like John Moran on his so-called homicidal resume, which is the point. You know how people are, man. These these feminine-minded guys, they just like freaking they're catty, man. You can't look at them without them saying something. You can't hit the ball, hit them with the ball hard or pass the ball harder than they want it. You know, you can't make embarrassing, you can't dunk them hard and look at them. You can't do anything to these guys. They just take it personal. I'm, but I'm saying from John Moran's standpoint. Oh, man. Like, I, I can't tell what's going on in his head. I cannot even call it with the idiocy he's shown over the past two seasons. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you're not going to check me. You're not going to pull my car, motherfucker. I, what, what is he thinking, you know? What the hell is he thinking? I, I don't know. Teenager? I thought about the story about his mom when she had some beef, I think, at the mall. She calls him up. And he brings his boys. Bruh! I mean, is this a family dysfunction thing? Right, right. Come on, man. Your mom Crazy. knows you're getting this kind of money. She knows who you are. She's having whatever beef that probably wasn't even in real beef. She just wanted the name drop. And she calls her, yo, Joe, I'm having some problems at the mall. You need to come out here and see this guy. He shows up. And now that we know how he rolls, he shows up probably strapped. But, you know, it, nothing really became of it. But it's just the fact that his mom would even put him in that spot. With right. everything going on like it is. And then we know about his father who just loves attention. This guy just wishes he was the guy. But anyway, How many games are they into the season now? He's, 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 yeah. Oh, man. I'm you know wondering how many games he has left to sit out. Uh, you Grizzlies know what? are bad. Well, you know, the Grizzlies are bad, but they started picking up a little bit of, of late. They haven't been, you know, could be full. they're not like the, like the Spurs just losing every damn thing they do. And then <laughs> now you have Detroit just losing like that's just what they're supposed <clears> to do. You know, I thought, damn, Kate Cunningham is like a pro. What is this deal, man? I didn't come here for this. <laughs> You're part of it now, man. Deal with it. So I don't know, man, how many games he has left before he comes back. But damn, he, um, they need him. But I don't think he's – I don't think that they're a John Moran away from being contenders this year. Yeah, he's not – I don't think he's going to turn them around. They'll be better, but yeah, they won't have some great turnaround. I don't think so. I mean, I, I just don't think so. And, uh, you know, Desmond Banners have been playing well. You know, they gave him that money in the offseason because of him. I don't think they did it as a, you know, because Josh going through what he's going through, we're giving him this money. I think that he's actually a pretty damn good player. Might have been a bit overpaid, but 
for what they're doing and what they need in that. A lot of people world. got paid this summer, man. Oh man, you know, a lot of people got paid. And Tyree I mean, yeah. Halliburton deserved the most, man. The money he had gotten, that ridiculous yeah, contract. That, that kid can play, that man. That kid can play his ass off, man. I, I, I like watching. He's one of those. He will be the guy I jump on, just push John Morant to the side. Because John was my dude since college. Now I just can't deal with the guy. And it, just being, it's not even, the, you know, trying to stand on a soapbox. You did so much ignorant crap. Who the hell wants to stand by you? There's no obligation there. Just move on. Right. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, hey. Well, we have our first bowl game coming up this Saturday. I think Georgia Southern is playing Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Like, someone cares. But it's there. It kicks off the bowl season. And I know the Celebration Bowl, I don't know exactly which date that is. And that's the HBCU National Champion. And it will be Florida A&M finally. I think they're going to take on – I might need to check and see. I think they're taking on North Carolina Central. I may need to check the, uh, check the, the listing. But I did cover HBCU for decades, plural. So I at least know and have an idea of what goes on in the MIAC and the SWAC, even though the MIAC should not even be around anymore since they have like a handful of teams for football because everybody else just left. But anyways, yeah, the bowl season starting up. And, you know, initially before they mentioned the bowls, I thought the Gator Bowl was going to have Notre Dame and Tennessee. Someone mentioned it to me. I was like, Notre Dame and Tennessee, because I was deciding, uh, should I go down to Orlando to watch the Knicks play against Orlando? And then the next day, which is Saturday, watch Tennessee play Notre Dame. I didn't want to watch Tennessee. Last year I went with Notre Dame from <laughs> South Carolina. But now I see that it's going to be Clemson coming here against Kentucky, which isn't so bad after all. Yeah, it's a decent matchup. It's a decent matchup, but it's not going to be the matchup that makes me want to go watch it next season. Right. That's what that South Carolina Notre Dame game did last year. Those people were so cool, man, when I was sitting with them. And even in the losing effort – I like, oh, bro, I got to see one of your games next year. They was like, yeah, come join us. Bro, that's why I went to South Carolina, man. I mean, my mom's home city, you know, and state, so why the hell not? But anyways, <laughs> that's where we get that from. <clears throat> so what? I mean, now that the Lakers – oh, yeah, let's talk about the nonsense. The rule changes for the NBA with the in-season tournament and the winner now getting an automatic bid to the playoffs? Is that good that's, or bad? That's bogus. That's terrible. Because let's say they win early December. Yeah. Their star gets hurt. He's out for the season. And they get a playoff berth. And then Ooh. you put out a team. Are they still going to have the playing games? I don't know what the heck they're I doing. I mean, if you put them in the playing, that's not as bad. But still, if if I'm number 10 and we got we – got we're nine games better than the team that won the in-season tournament – there's no way they should be in ahead of them. Man, I don't know if that's official, but that's what's come through the grapevine. That's a dumb idea. I, you know, dumb I would idea. like to believe that these guys who've been doing this scheduling and putting things together who are supposedly so much smarter than the rest of us know what the heck they're doing, and they would think this thing through and not just try to ride with the wave of emotion as people have been receptive to this it's tournament like, again. It's like they're just changing rules just to change it and, and garner interest and get more attention and hype. That 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 is a dumb rule. Yes, I'm if, they, team. if they won the in-season tournament in late April or May, then it's basically the same team going into the playoffs. Yeah. By all means, give them a playoff spot. But if in December, you're not even halfway through the season yet. So and now you're in the, 
and you play, you you earn a playoff berth. Nah, man, that's ridiculous. But now the question becomes: Do they move it, move it back a little bit? Could they make it after the All Star break, just right after the All Star break, or come back from the All Star break with the in season tournament? But then, what happens to all the games before Christmas? That was exactly. the reason why you know they did exactly. It. You know what? So look, this is the stuff they should be thinking about. <laughs> And apparently they thought about it and decided to keep it in December. So a star player goes down. Yeah, but honestly, I I didn't watch a lot of the the in season tournament games. They've had some good matchups that I yeah. that that has drawn my interest. You know, when Philly played Boston, when yeah. opening night Milwaukee played Boston, they had some good games opening night. Mm-hmm. Wemby against Chet. You want to see the big oh, guy? That's what I'm the, talking about. You know what I'm saying? They, they've had some good matchups. Uh, regardless of the in-season tournament, like a lot, and a lot of a lot of the in-season tournament games, were all the teams really going for it? Like the Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers went for it. Like that was their championship because it might be their championship after all, man. I'm just saying, and, and but they're coming out with the in-season tournament team. I think we talked about this yesterday. Yeah. Come on, man. It's not the Maui Classic, the Great Alaskan Shootout. Fucking tournament team. Fuck out of here, man. And on that note, man, I guess they someone was slipping to the crossfires by accident inadvertently. <laughs> <laughs> He's biased. I'm I trying. didn't say no names. Hey, we about this circumstance. We'll check you out tomorrow on our Wednesday, the Sports Bag Bros Podcast. Everybody's we'll Wednesday. Tomorrow. Deuces. Peace. Later.